0: all right everybody bring it in episode 26 i missed the 25 mark uh from our episode earlier this week but we are quarter of the way to a century quarter to 100 already it seems like we just started this pod and yet here we are 26 episodes deep uh got a loaded we're bringing back sports gumbo which traditionally, when I do sports gumbo, it's just me. And I'm just kind of going around from one story to another story to another story in a, a global sense. You know, like the idea of gumbo, you get a little this, a little that, you all throw it in a pot, and then boom, you got some gumbo. Uh, but today, we thought it would be fun if we did some sports gumbo, but with my two left and right hand men, Scotty Miller and Brian Sanvito. Boys, gentlemen, how are we? It's great to see your lovely faces.
1: Great to see you too. And I'm glad you said that I'm a left-handed guy. So I've always uh, hated those comments. Like my right-handed man. It's like, no, you're left-handed man. That's me. I'm your guy. Uh, So no, I, great weekend. Um, I can't believe playoffs are here. Um, And like I said, I I told these guys a little earlier, but when did we get like a playing games? Cause I just, I turned on the TV and I was like, wait, there's a 10 and nine seed. And wait, 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 wait. Why is seven playing eight already? Like, and the Warriors are eight. Like, I have been out of the loop, and I can't wait to dive into this and get the updates from the boys.
0: It's going to be fun, man, because I think between the three of us, we're all at different kind of levels of NBA fandom. Scotty, I know you follow it pretty regularly. I am an obnoxious NBA fan. And, Vito, like you said, you kind of watch the NBA from a distance. You check in in the playoffs. You see what LeBron and Steph and KD, you look at the big names, see what they're doing. Uh, Scotty, my man, how are you, buddy? How, how, how are things over in your neck of the woods?
2: Oh, good! Just about uh, forty-five some odd days uh, until we move into the house. Um, uh, wife's out of town this week. It's just me and the and the dog flying solo. A Little boys' weekend. We're gonna sit on the couch Saturday, have a couple of beers together, watch the PGA. It'll be gorgeous. What is what is um, boys' weekend
0: look like for
2: you, man? Like,
0: like, what have you been? Have you been just binge watching Netflix? Uh
2: yeah, a little bit. I've been I've been really getting into this. Uh, I I watch a number of. Uh, of Italian shows. Uh so I've been really getting into this Italian crime drama, but I'll spare you the details on that. Uh a really great show though, by the way. A lot of twists and turns. Italians know their dramas if you if you're into uh foreign uh foreign shows or cinema, go ahead and check out the Italian ones. I I highly recommend. Italians
0: Um, being dramatic. But other than
2: that, man. Yeah, what a surprise. Who who would have thought Uh, other than that, we've just been yeah. We've we've been sitting there watching sports all night long. I've been watching a ton of WNBA action, Jeff, I got to tell you. And in the last four or five days, I've watched about six games. It's gorgeous.
0: You know, the, it. the WNBA is awesome, man. Like I I've become more and more of the last, I would say about three years, I've become a major WNBA fan. And it all, it actually, oh, it all spawned from my interaction with Elena Deladon, who, if, if anyone out there is a WNBA really? fan, you know, Elena Deladon, right? She's, this she's the tall that she plays for the, the washington mystics yeah. one of the best basketball players in the world she's phenomenal and uh, i was uh, i was meeting my my old girlfriend's uh, dad for the first time uh, down in old town alexandria and you know she he's he's a doctor he's very successful he, he wants to take us out to like a nice italian restaurant for dinner i'm like oh that sounds lovely can't cry. and you know the feeling like both of you guys have been on those dates before when you're meeting your significant other, your partner's parents for the first time, particularly the dad, right? The dad has a little extra, just like a little extra attitude. Maybe you're a little nervous. You know, you want to make a good first impression.
2: So yeah, I was hung over for that. So
1: <laughs> yeah. How about for mine? You'll love this real quick. Uh, first thing that happened to me in high school, he goes, I'm a rocket scientist. And I asked him what he did. And I was laughing like, Oh, that's a funny one. And he's like, no, nah, it's, that's I work for it's, NASA. Like it's what I do. And I was just like, Oh <laughs> shit. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> so It's brutal. Right. And like this, this gentleman who I'm meeting the, the dad of my, my old girlfriend, she, uh, or he is a super accomplished doctor. It runs an entire research center out in Pittsburgh and is uh, an incredibly sweet, nice guy. He offers to take us out and, you know, we're hitting it off. We're all, all getting along. And we're sitting down in this small Italian restaurant in old town, Alexandria, which all the buildings there are like really, really old. And, it almost feels like you're in someone's like living room kind of vibe to it. And I'm sitting down and uh, around this time, the Washington Mystics had just won the WNBA title. And when I say just won, I mean like two weeks before this dinner. And Elena Deladon was the MVP. she had came back from a broken nose, is wearing like the mask, the Rip Hamilton mask, right? So I'm sitting there talking and, I, and I'm facing the door and the two of them are facing me. And Elena Deladon and her partner and her parents both walk in and I look over I'm like, Holy shit, that's Elena Deladon. Right. And for those who don't know who Elena Deladon is, is she's objectively a a beautiful woman, right? She's tall, like six, eight long blonde hair. Right. Uh, And I'm sitting down and I'm just like, Holy shit, that's Elena Deladon. So I get a little starstruck. Sure enough, I'm like, she's a person, right? Just like any celebrity. She'll come in, she'll have her dinner, she'll leave. Well, the waiter decides to seat her directly behind me. And because again, this place is really small. Like I was telling you, it was like, we were a foot and a half away from one another. And the entire time I'm just sitting there like low key kind of freaking out about like, I want to ask Elena Deldon a question. Like I want to, I at least want to be a congrats on the title. You know, I wanted, I wanted to do something. Well, my, my girlfriend's dad sees that. And takes it as I couldn't keep my eyes off of this tall, blonde, beautiful woman who is sitting right behind me. Did he have all the facts though? Did he know everything? I, I tried to explain it to him, but remember, she's sitting right there. So I couldn't be like, oh, that, you know, the girl sitting right behind me. Oh, yeah, she's a super famous basketball player. So I had to sit there and then eventually, you know, I find out eventually I, I kind of keep it cool. I did drop some basketball knowledge because her dad was a basketball player at Bucknell. So he and I were talking hoops. And uh, at one point, supposedly, from what I heard, because again, I wasn't looking, but I had, me- I had made some basketball point and she, she was like over listening to our conversation. And she was kind of like nodding her head like, hmm, that's a good point. And it was like a very validating awesome. moment, right? But I, I find out later and even years later now because uh, I'm still in touch with this girl, that he tells that story all the time. Like still, to this day, he tells the uh, story about meeting his daughter's new boyfriend and that he couldn't keep his eyes off of this tall, blonde, beautiful basketball player. <laughs> and so, as much as I oh, love God. the WNBA, I do get a little bit of I, I, I tend to, you know, kind of shudder a little bit whenever I see the, the mystics play or whenever I see Elena Deldon, cause it's just, I get a little triggered. I'm not gonna lie. It, it triggers me a little bit, but uh, the WNBA is a <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal league. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That, that story is going to haunt me forever. All that being said, as we went down a, a funny side tangent there, uh, the NBA playoffs did kick off this week. And I guess you, I don't know, cause the way they're grading it or they're not accounting any of the statistics, They're not considering them playoff games. They're not considering them regular season games. So like LeBron scores a triple double last night when in the win against golden state, and that just doesn't get recorded into the NBA statistics log. So, you know, it goes Hmm. back to the old phrase, like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to see it, does it ever happen? Right. And in 30 years, if these stats don't get written down 50 years, are we going to remember that this even happened, which of course, you know, the internet exists, so we will be able to remember it, but it's, it's a bizarre situation. So to answer your, your initial question there, Vito, the play in tournaments, and this was the crux of the pod I did on Tuesday with, with my friend Denton Day, the whole concept behind it is basically just to try to in part eliminate tanking, right? Tanking is something that really became a, a massive part of the nba right you we saw it with the process with the sixers and we've seen teams kind of do it year in and year out to try to get themselves the best odds at getting the number one overall pick now there's still a lot of debate as to whether or not this is going to effectively you know curtail tanking in any way in one year in there are some positive results i think it's going to take probably five or six years of seeing this kind of be implemented uh, scotty is an nba fan I know you're a Warriors fan so I'm going to ask you to take the Warriors hat off after what was an amazing yeah, yeah. game last night between the two. What was your takeaway now that we've had four play-in games and we have another two coming up, one tonight and one tomorrow night?
2: I like I like the tournament. Um I and I think for for two reasons. One, it's it's great competition because you're playing at the highest level anyway, uh and to to vie your way into the playoffs. Uh, in a, in a one-game or two-game uh, series against the, the, the last four seasons, seven through ten seeds, uh, just makes it fun to watch. Uh, every one of these, with the exception of the, uh, the Charlotte blowout against uh, – against, uh, oh, who did they play first? Um, Pacers. Pacers, thank you. Um, uh, with the exception of that blowout, uh, the rest of these games have been pretty good. Uh, Jason Tatum dropped 50 against the Wizards the other night. Uh, And then we had that thriller, uh, the much anticipated thriller with Steph Curry and LeBron James playing in a, in a playing game. I like it though, too. The other reason I like it is the, it makes, it provides meaningful games down the stretch. The last two weeks of the season, uh, most guys are taking flyers. If they know that they're not going to be in the playoffs uh, by any means, Uh, they're, they're putting vacation plans in all of this, you know, uh, and then they're just not there on the court, uh, game in and game out for for the last two weeks of the season. But I'll tell you what, this play in tournament—if you can get to a ten seed now, you have a shot at the playoffs. These these create meaningful games down the stretch. I mean, look at the Pelicans. Uh, any other season, the Pelicans would have would have been written off. Uh, Zion Williamson would be planning his trip to Aruba or wherever the hell he's going in the, in the offseason. season, uh, and there they were the last two weeks of the year fighting like it they were every game was a playoff game so it was great to see it's good for basketball i think too
0: now veto as a as a more relaxed nba fan right someone who's more casual you kind of come in and out and you, you watch the big moments would something like these playing games do you feel like that's something that would entice you more to try to watch maybe the last month of the nba knowing that there's a, maybe a little more at stake I actually think it's flipped.
1: I actually think that because the play it's almost like the first four in the tournament, but imagine hmm. if the percentage is so gr- much greater, right? Like it's it, it, there, there's imagine, you know, there's only four or whatever, eight teams in that. And, and when you look at it, um, that's such a small percentage of the overall teams that are in it compared to this, it's, it's adding these other spots. And so in that case, I actually feel like I don't need to watch even more so now until the playoffs, because even if a team's kind of good, they're going to be in the playoffs, right? They'll be in the hunt. And so I, I think it's exciting to watch though. I think it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> my, f- my favorite player in the league, uh, it was out this whole year. Shout out Clay Thompson, right? Like that's, that's uh, why I really have stayed away completely from all the news, but, um, with everything else, like going on with other sports, it's just like basketball comes around the playoffs, but this grabbed my attention. I got to say it's something new. It's something fresh. I think it's funny how, when you look at sports and playoffs and just all of this, the only thing that's really changed recently, like the NFL changed, and then the college football changed a few years ago, which is 2014, I guess it's a while ago now, but like, then the NFL makes a change. Um, I know uh, some other leagues have done some things, but these are the biggest ones I could think of. And, and I love that the NBA is doing this and at least changing it up. Why not?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of in that boat too. You know, I think a lot of people see something like this happen and they go, why do they need to change it? Right. Cause as people, like as humans, we, we, it's an old line from Wayne's world, right. You know, like we fear change, which is an old, you know, Star Trek reference as well. It's like a reference within a reference, but I, you know, people do inherently, they don't like when things change. They don't like when things that they know are constant in their life go a slightly different route for me. I, the only issue I have with the playing tournament is just like, if you're the seven seed and you play in the Western conference, which is extremely competitive year in and year out. And let's say you are 10 games above the eight seed. Let's say you're five games above the eight seed. Why do you have to justify playing one more game in order to even make the playoffs when it's clear that you are five games better than the the next team there, you know, or if there's a 50 win team in a really competitive conference that now has to try to win one more game.
2: Yeah, that's the exception, though, not the rule, right? I don't know I if mean, it is, every, though. I mean, like, because every they, conference has been that competitive. It, if, the, if the Lakers had
0: lost last night, and then let's say they, they somehow lose both to Golden State and then to Memphis, or Anthony Davis, you know, rolls an ankle in that game against Golden State, Golden State goes on and wins, and then Memphis is able to beat the Lakers, uh, you know, tomorrow – I think there would be a lot of NBA fans who are up in arms about the fact that the Lakers, even though they struggle with injuries and stuff throughout the year are no longer in the playoffs because of this tournament. Now, luckily we're not necessarily going to see that. And we were rewarded with what was a a phenomenal game, Steph Curry, LeBron going at it. And and I want to get into that game coming up next, but I think, I don't think it's that like much of, I don't think it's that far off, you know, like I think it's more realistic. Now, most years, the, the nine and the 10 seed are probably just going to lose. And I look at a team like Indiana, like, Scotty, I know you're a little down on Indiana, but I'm down on Washington. You know, I thought Boston would win that game against Washington because there's no Bradley Beal. And Russell Westbrook is, you know, the biggest choke artist in the last five minutes of every single game that he's ever played. When did he
1: get there, by the way? I was watching basketball, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, that's Russell Westbrook, and he's in
2: D.C.? I did not even know. I go to D.C. all the time. I had no fucking idea. They traded John Wall to get him. So John Wall's now in Houston. Russell Westbrook's now in D.C. Yeah, and he's got two more years on his contract. How about that?
0: Russell Westbrook went from OKC to Houston last year. And then in this offseason, Houston traded him before they traded James Harden because now Houston's in full on tank mode and is just trying to start to kind of rebuild in the post James Harden era.
1: Where's uh, James Harden?
0: He's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, I, I think with I didn't KD. know that one. With, yeah. with Kyrie. Kyrie and Kyrie. And they're and they're they're the two seat Yeah. Right. So yeah. and Brooklyn very well could go off and win the whole damn thing. How
1: how pissed does Russell have to feel being like, Man, I have both those guys in OKC and goddamn
2: it. Like well, that's Kyrie's, kind of funny. He could have won, so they could have played each other, right? If they yeah. had won that game, they would have been playing each other in the oh. in the uh, in the first round.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's wild. And look, the NBA more so than ever is less about the NBA. And Denton quoted Kevin Durant uh, on the pod on Tuesday and said it perfectly, right? Because KD came out and said this. I think it was like last last summer, maybe it was in the off the post bubble. But is that like sometimes? I'm not even sure if NBA fans like the NBA, you know, like like, sometimes it really does feel like NBA fans don't even watch the games. They don't care about the game. They care about the drama surrounding it all because it's it's like it's and not to be stereotypical here, but it's like the male equivalent of reality TV in a lot of ways. You know, I think that's why a lot of guys love bar school. You know, Barstool is kind of the same way. It's like you get to know the characters of the people in the Barstool office. And I think a lot of people love the characters of the NBA. They love the storylines. You know, free agency and the trade deadline are as big of a day uh, as any other day in the NBA playoffs. And part of that is because the regular season in the NBA is a problem. But the second that there is something on the line, now we're going to have six weeks here of NBA playoffs, it's going to be must-see TV. You know, because in games like last night, even if it's, you know, John Moran, or even if it's, uh, you know, Jokic, or even if it's someone who's not LeBron or Steph Curry, they're still going to be like superstar players playing in playoff games with something on the line, something meaningful. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're coming off of a rough stretch being in the nba bubble having only about six weeks to really recover before the nba season you know kicked off again and and that's one of the pain in the asses that you know COVID has kind of had you know throughout this whole this whole time now um scotty you watched the game last night right of course where does that game and and maybe it's just because it's in the stadium versus the bubble but to me watching that game even though it was a play-in game I found that game to be more entertaining than any game in the NBA bubble all of last year. And it might just oh, be only having, it might just be only having a, a, you know, 5,000 fans in the stand and it being on someone's actual home court. But I, it, I was almost taken back. Though, no, it totally, it
2: totally it makes does. a big difference.
0: It totally does. But I was just taken back by how much of a stark contrast it was between when I saw the NBA playoffs in the bubble. And I was working on NBA radio at the time. I was producing post game shows for the NBA bubble. Like I was as up in all of the NBA bubble watching all of that. And yet I still found that that game last night was more compelling than anything we saw all of last postseason.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was. And I think it, a lot of that is due to the fans. Um, the energy is different. Obviously I think last year we got a dose of, uh, well, who are the, the two actually, we always talk about this in sports. Like a team makes a great run to the championship. Right. Uh, but was that the, actually the best team or did they just catch a streak of luck and like things bounce their way. And, and there was some other external factor. The crowd is one of those external factors mm-hmm. and the home field, the home court, whatever the hell you want to call it. it it's huge. It makes a big difference. And of course in that game, you got to play in the fact that it's a rivalry game. You got the two of the biggest stars in the league playing against each other in a playing game. Um, but it's, it's tangible in every sport I've watched, including in the Super Bowl, uh, most of the, the, the playoff games, even hell, there are baseball games where I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's, there's fancy hot playoff hockey games. There's, there's eight, 9,000 fans in the stands. So I'm like, this is like a palpable difference uh, from having nobody there. And, and, you, uh, and you know what's going to be? Energy is different and it's huge. It makes a big difference. It, you know what's going to be really fun? I'm not sure
0: if y'all saw this, but the College World Series, both for baseball and softball, They were kind of patient zero. I guess the NBA tour or the NCAA tournament last year was kind of patient zero for a lot of COVID teams, but all of the spring sports had their entire seasons canceled, you know? So, you know, for most teams, they had played like 15 to 20 games. They're going a hundred percent full capacity in Omaha for the college world series, which that's crazy, you know, individual beliefs and everything aside, it's going to be cool to see a fully packed stadium. It, it yeah. really is. And, and I'm really excited for, especially for those men and women who, who got screwed over so hard last year, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome, but you're right, Scotty, like last night. And I honestly, I think just the court, you know, I think just seeing one team's yeah. court and not just the NBA bubble court, you know, it, it just, it really has created this kind of like, almost like this sense of normalcy a little bit, even though it's still a little different. And you see the courtside people are all sitting like, I think it was Drake and Michael B. Jordan were sitting next to each other during the game last night. And they're like, the goat was there. (laughs) (laughs) They were in like a little two person pod, like, and it was like two people. And then like, you know, 10 feet and another two people. But that, that difference alone is going to be huge. It's one of the things I think is going to help the Sixers. You know, Philadelphia is opening up 50% capacity for the Wells Fargo Center. And the Sixers have the best home record in the NBA over the last four seasons. So, you know, and a team, talk about a team that can feed off of the crowd's energy. Um, Last night, we did see, though, a a vintage LeBron performance. And it's incredible that in year 17 or six, it was, it's 17, right? Was it 2003? He was drafted, 17, 17, 18. Uh, it's insane to me that in year seventeen of LeBron James, that we are we are still seeing him do shit like this. And I feel almost dumb for have asked asking uh, Denton this the other day, but I am I, I am ready for a post LeBron era in the NBA. Like I, I genuinely am. I appreciate mm. the greatness. I genuinely do. But I'm ready for the next crop of superstars. You know, I feel kind of similar to like in tennis, you know, I feel the same way in a lot of sports and you never want to not appreciate them. So you can appreciate them and still be excited about the future. And I guess that's kind of where I stand. Uh, Vito, as someone who is much more of a, again, like I said, a more casual NBA fan, how, how does LeBron resonate to you? Because obviously he is the biggest star. He's the biggest athlete, I think, in, in American sports uh, in in just terms of popularity, notoriety, he's one of the biggest in the world. How does LeBron resonate to you as someone who is a casual sports or a casual NBA fan?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I think when he was coming up was when we were growing up, right? Like I, I think, um, I'm 29. So I remember, um, I was growing up in California and it was all Kobe, but this guy, LeBron was pretty damn good. And he led his team in Cleveland to, to the championship loss. And this is when I was following a lot more Then, you know, he does the heat thing comes back, does the villain. Then he, my favorite, one of my favorite sports moments in the last decade is the letter he wrote. I will never forget where I was. And it was Colin cowards podcast was on live when that was released. Hmm. And I remember him reading it. And I was, like, emotional about it. I thought, like, man, good for him. And he brought them a championship, him in the Golden State Warrior battles. And then we went to the Lakers. I kind of am just like, I'm with you. I-, I appreciate what he's done for the game. If he wins some more, that's great. But I'm a casual fan right now because I just – I'm not finding these guys – not, not that there's not interest and there's not amazing talent. It's not what I'm saying. It's not grabbing me for whatever reason. And, and LeBron is – the factor of, I'm tired of seeing LeBron on everything. LeBron's like dunking on somebody in every promo for the NBA. Cause he's one of the most popular players, right? Like I am ready to see um, a couple new people uh, that have this buildup behind them. Because I think the thing about LeBron was that he, there was such a story, even in high school about this guy and what he could do. And so uh, I'm waiting for, I guess, another one of those, maybe I've come and missed it. I know there's some, elite talents out there, like I, I uh, get it,
2: you, but still there's a difference. You,
1: am I, am I, does that resonate with you guys at all? Or, or do you feel like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm you're, you're there?
2: absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, you have to remember too, as LeBron was coming up, Michael Jordan was on his way out. So it was, there was a torch passing almost it seemed like, um, and yeah, we, me, had, these was, say, yeah, we had these expectations. Well, I was to say that we had these expectations, obviously, because Kobe was fucking yeah, elite. I well, of course you did. Cause you, <laughs> Yeah, you were in LA. That's of course. But even um, still,
0: Kobe had Shaq, but, and they and Kobe was already already established. And I think for a lot of people, they were looking for the next LeBron. Like you're always like we're, in, in our society, but, we're always looking for
2: the next one. And sorry, Scott, I don't mean to cut. you off. go ahead. Yeah, no, there's nobody like that. It was my point mm-hmm. is it, that, and we we Vito hit on it. We followed this guy through high school, um, and my God, he was a monster then, and we knew that he was going to be. Uh, an incredible talent in the NBA for however long you played Uh, the narrative of the championship thing uh, sort of resonates with me a little bit, but you can't discount the talent of course. Uh, But the fact is that we don't have anything remotely close to that except a 34 year old Stephen Curry um, who for all intents and purposes is nowhere near that level of, of stardom and talent and and goatness as we as we like to title LeBron um so I I just I don't see where you go from here if you want to post LeBron era that bad then like what are you searching for in that because there isn't anything that I see that's relatively close maybe Zion I don't know
0: so so it's it's there's two things I want to kind of address here number one you know Vito to what you were saying you know the thing with with LeBron uh as incredible as he Is And and was it the thing that really takes it over the top was the expectations he had entering the league, coming in as a high school kid in 2003, and already being dubbed the next Jordan and then to fulfill that to an extent where he will be the greatest statistical player to have ever played the game by the time he retires, the fact that he has accomplished what he has accomplished in his career with those expectations is jaw-dropping. And so I think that is part of what you're talking about, Scotty, which is that there won't be another guy with those kinds of heightened expectations, partially because we're still seeing LeBron go out and do what LeBron's doing right now. Right, like the fact that he has a triple double, hits a huge three to to win the game with a minute left against Steph Curry and the Warriors with a oh, banged God. up Laker squad, despite him missing as much time as he's missed. Um, but what I would argue with is that i think because lebron and lebron stands which honestly there's a compelling argument to make that hardcore lebron stands are the worst fans in sports worse than the cowboys worse than the yankees worse than the red sox worse than philly fans worse than Whoa. all of them because they are so blind to any sort of rational argument. And and there's an argument to be made that the Jordan people can be that way too, but at least the Jordan people saw both. The people who are so up LeBron's ass are, are the worst sports fans and i think that's a big reason why we have trouble moving on to the next level because there's all the off the court shit not the charity stuff like in that level lebron's the greatest sports entrepreneur we've had in the last 50 years like going back to bill russell muhammad ali like he is at the level of those guys when you talk about his philanthropic efforts as one of the most famous people in america but it's all of the other shit you know it's talking about like you know, the bubble, you know, I've won two of the hardest, the two hardest championships in NBA history, the bubble championship year and the year that they beat the warriors. And it's like, there's no actual proof of that. You're just saying this to build up your own case for when you retire. And there, there are hundreds of examples of LeBron doing that shit. Scotty, you mentioned it the other day, or or, uh, sorry, Denton mentioned it the other day on the podcast. Like he came out and said before the game against the warriors, that Steph should be the MVP this year. Why would he say that? We all know that. Steph, because it's building a narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that way he ends up when they beat the Warriors, he ends up seeming like that much better. And so that's the shit with LeBron that drives me up a fucking wall. And as much as uh, I admire him play. as a player never everything. It's a heady play. It is. I think
1: some of that, though, I got to disagree here, because I think some of that like on the case of that, of being like, Yeah, hey, he's an MVP. I think it's also LeBron being like, dude, I'm so old. Like, yeah, I've had, I have a bunch guys. I'm good. Like he was the MVP this year. No, because he sure. wanted,
0: he, you know, but LeBron wanted the MVP this year Come until on. he got hurt.
1: Yeah. He didn't say it beforehand. That's the difference, right? No,
0: but he was playing every single game despite having just come off the bubble and not having a whole lot of, you (laughs) know, like response. So like LeBron was gunning for the MVP this year because LeBron bitched about not getting it last year against Giannis. And so this is like one of the things with LeBron is it's like it's always slightly adjusting the narrative a little bit to make it seem like he's the underdog. and, And look. Jordan did stuff like that. Premier athletes create that kind of chip on their shoulder. I get it. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, Scotty, about like, who is the next guy? I think there are several guys in the NBA right now who can do it. Look at Luca. Luca's first three years in the NBA are so, so stupidly better than LeBron's first years. It's not even funny. And a lot of that has to do with the way that the games change from 2003 versus 2018, 2019 when Luca was a yeah. rookie. But if Incredible. Luca keeps us up for 15 to 20 years... He's going to destroy every record LeBron has. And again, part of that does have to do with the way that the NBA has changed, but there are guys who can take the mantle. And the reason I, I, because I want to ask this question to Denton the other day, the reason I, I phrased it the way I did, and the reason I picked Luca as the person who I would most like to see kind of take the torch from LeBron is because the NBA is expanding more and more to be a global game. I mean, Look at the, you know, three out of the top five MVP candidates, four out of the top five MVP candidates of this year, right? If you, and, and that fifth spot, you can kind of change. But if a, if you put Luka in there, you have Jokic, who's international, Embiid, who's international, Curry, and then you have Giannis, who's international, and Luka. And that's not a discount Giannis either. You know, the, historically well, in but- the NBA, it takes you six to seven years before you win a title. You know, you can look through every great player. And LeBron getting there in four years is actually a bit of an outlier from when you look at just the greatest players of ever. Magic Johnson doing it as a rookie is one thing because he had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on his team, Yeah, you know. And and the talent level in the NBA was so significantly different back then. Uh, Even Steph, you know, it took Steph eight years to become what Steph is now. It it takes a while, and we rush these guys, and we judge these guys far too early. You know, I think –
1: yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But I think t- to the point we were making earlier about LeBron and why it's different is there was so much on out of high school. And when you have a tattoo that says chosen one before you're <laughs> like 18, uh, then you turn out to be the closest thing to like the basketball yeah. chosen one that's been around well, have to be. 20 yeah. years. But the fact that he has the balls to get the tattoo, uh, then he actually has the work ethic and drive to live it out is fucking crazy because you feel like the yeah. guy who would get the tattoo would be like, yeah, I made it. I'm good. That's not
0: how he spent. Uh, no, so all the credit. The opposite is, to is the him. guy
2: that gets that uh, Super Bowl champions tattoo just, before uh, they. I was <laughs> just <laughs> saying that. Like
0: so just because you get the tattoo doesn't mean that it's going to happen. But LeBron was in control of it, Vito, and that's I think the point you were making. Is that yeah, he bet yeah. on himself when he gets that tattoo to go off and inevitably do what he ends up doing. LeBron, LeBron James, is the best example of the American dream that we have in a modern society. The dude came mm-hmm. from a, from a single mother in the projects of Akron with terrible education and did nothing but work his ass off to get to where he is now. He has, he was one of the first guys that really invested in his body you know, spending the extra million dollars a year to give himself the best trainers, the best nutritionists, to make sure that he would be prepared to do this. And before this season, we never saw LeBron have an actual injury that held him out a lot lot of time. And it takes 18 years, 17 years for him to do that. And so, again, none of this is to say that I don't appreciate LeBron. I do. I'm just I'm excited about the future of the NBA. I'm and and I think both can exist. I think we can enjoy the twilight of LeBron's career, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon based (laughs) off what we saw last night. But I'm also simultaneously excited for the rest of the league. Um, So we have a couple more playing games coming up. We have Memphis Golden State to figure out the eight seed in the West, Indiana and Washington figure out the eight seed in the East. I think Indiana wins it tonight. I think Golden State wins it next week. Uh, Scotty, Vito, either you guys have picks for uh, who's going to finish out the eight seed.
1: Well, yeah.
2: I mean, go ahead, Vito. You're now that casual. I know
1: that that you know um, Westbrook is in DC, uh, I'm have to. I don't know. I mean, this is actually a tough choice in the East because whoever whoever wins this right plays Philly. Is that do I have this correct? Mm-hmm. Like. The winner, the, yeah, the lowest correct. seed will still play Philly. So I, I just, I, 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 would like, um I would like it to be Washington just selfishly because I'm, I'm probably eyeing to go to a game, but if they don't make <laughs> it past game four, then I won't be able to do it. But. um,
0: There's a little yeah. weird history between Russ and Embiid too. That would be kind of fun to mix it up again.
1: And just it's location wise. Like uh, people always talk about, you know, the New York Boston dynamic of a huge rivalry and, in Baltimore and DC, but people also forget that between Baltimore and New York city is like a, um, or I'm sorry, between DC and New York city is like a three hour train ride. Mm. Uh, and I go back and forth. These cities are close together. People don't like, yes, it might not be your classic rivalry, but you can be damn sure that people from DC and people from Philadelphia that have to work together. Like my main offices in DC, this brings out some people at shit talking. And that's
2: what I would like to see in this matchup. Well, the thing is that most people in DC are concerned with the caps at this point uh, because they're in the playoffs and nobody really cares about the wizards. Um The, I, I like the, all the, look, all the money's going to Indiana in this game against uh against Washington. Indiana is at plus three and a half. Everybody's hammering the over. I, I I'm not going there with that money. I didn't, I was not at all impressed with the way that they played against a banged up Charlotte team. Uh And Russell Westbrook for, all of his faults, all of his choking at the end of, of games. Um, he, he doesn't have a, a 100% Bradley Beal on the court with him. Um, but damn it if, if Russell Wilson is going to be denied the chance to play, uh, go deeper in the playoffs. Uh, I think he balls out. I think he goes for a triple, double. He's averaging, what, like 28, 18, and, and 20 uh, against the Pacers this year, which is insane. Um, wow. Yeah, right. So look for Russ to get a triple double and have it be all close to 20s. Uh, He balls out take don't go the money with Indiana plus three and a half. Take the Wizards to cover the spread. You're good to go.
0: Normally, I would agree with you fade the fade the public. But uh, the problem is Scotty is that Russell Westbrook is the worst player in the NBA in the last five minutes of the game. He just is. And so if this game is within two, three points and there's five minutes left, you can count. Russell Westbrook's going to dust off his – slightly faded red Superman cap that has been worn and failed in time after time. He's going to take unnecessary threes. He's going to try to be the superhero and he's going to fail miserably because that is what Russell Westbrook does. As incredible as the statistics are, he does not know how to win games because he's a selfish player in the last three minutes of the game. He's been that way his entire career. He was that way. He was a, he was terrible in that game against Boston. He, and like to the point that people thought he had like the flu, Russell Westbrook is terrible. I want nothing. I would never ever put any amount of money that meant anything to me on Russell Westbrook to win a playoff game ever. So, and look, Indiana, Indiana was about ready to fire the coach two weeks ago and talk about guys averaging a triple double. Demontis Sabonis has been averaging a triple double for the last three weeks. And his triple doubles actually lead to winning basketball games. Russell Westbrook's fill up a stat sheet and make him feel good about himself when he wants to go to sleep at night. Um, Scotty, I know you're going to pick Golden State to beat Memphis, right?
2: Well, I'm look. It's I think it'll be a, a tough game, especially as banged up as the Warriors are. Uh, but and the way they play defense against the Lakers, I don't, there's no shot. They and even the last game of the the regular season, they shut down John Morant, made him look like a fool. Uh, it's got to like Golden State's got to win this game, right?
0: Yeah, they're they
2: they top six in offensive and defensive efficiency yeah. the last two
0: months of the year. So I, I, I like, I like golden state a lot. I think, I was shocked that they lost the game last night, to be honest. I was,
2: I really well, thought they were going to pull it off right out know? of the gate in halftime. That's what killed him. You know, Steph
0: was. hit that buzzer beater before halftime. And I went, I don't know <sighs> if this I don't know if this is good.
2: Yeah. To put us up 13.
0: <laughs> uh, it was an incredible, it was an incredible shot. I love Steph. I'm always going to root for Steph. I have a, I have such a soft spot for the warriors. I have a theory and when it comes to my fandom, that if any team was once in Philadelphia, they're like my secondary team. So the Warriors used to be the Philadelphia Warriors. So even pre-Steph, even going back to the We Believe Warriors, going back to Steven Jackson, Both going back to yeah. J- Jason Richardson, right? Going back to those days, I- I've i always liked the Warriors, and I loved uh, Steph and Jason. Chamberlain guy. Um,
2: yeah.
0: And the Oakland Athletics are my, are like my secondary baseball team. Always, always have them.
2: Uh,
0: you um, can have them. That's but look, we... <laughs> Oakland doesn't even want them anymore. So, I mean, yeah, that's I, true. <laughs> they need fans, man. They need it bad. Uh, the rest of these first round matchups are great. We do have the two seven matchups locked up. Phoenix and the Lakers, Brooklyn and Boston. And then we'll figure out who Utah and Philly are playing here in the next couple of days. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of great matchups matches. So uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back, continue on with the sports gumbo uh, right after this. All right, now we're going to switch gears. Our next ingredient of our uh, sports gumbo is going to be What we always say is our bread and butter, right? The NFL, which for most of America, I think we can agree is probably most sports fans bread and butter. It's the one that most people pay attention to, but it's definitely for the three of us, the one that we, just care about the most it's the one we're always the most locked into we kind of just pay attention all season all that kind of shit uh even though my insane brain likes to follow all sports as religiously as football but let's be honest that's not realistic it's it's football football's king uh and we've had some interesting nfl news we have not gotten a chance to get to uh two things that i think are pretty amazing to talk about on a podcast number one which i'm sure everyone is just dying to hear more tim tebow content uh and then number two the nfl schedule so that's how we're gonna kind of set this up here but guys i do want i want to start with the tim tebow news because i'm not sure how you guys both feel about tim tebow uh people have two very interesting standpoints right it's either why do people care at all like an opinion way one way or another it's either complete indifference or like vitriol for Tim Tebow, unless you're a Florida fan and you were like a a huge Florida fan and you love Tim Tebow and you just want him to be successful. Always. You are more often than not either completely indifferent to Tim Tebow or just insanely angry about the fact that this dude keeps getting opportunities that he probably doesn't deserve. So I'm curious as to which of those camps do both of you guys fall into. I gotta I gotta take this one because you know what? I'm a huge fan of
1: TiVo and it's probably for not the reasons you think. Um, or maybe it is, but circumcising
0: children in the Philippines.
1: Uh oh, well, nailed I, it. I, I wasn't <laughs> gonna start there. Uh that was lower on the list, but um uh I think I number think two starting <laughs> off just ha- like T was such a thing at like the time I was in college. I forget we I, we get like hammered and tebow all over we we're just idiots about it so that was like oh kind of fun and that's my first thought then he went to the broncos and then people like it was oh, such a playoff game. Off- well, <laughs> oh, the playoff playoff game was great but let's not even get there yet he made our team the number one rushing offense because we had to be but also because that's what he did and he would make four or five throws a game and you were like whoa where did that come from um and we'd somehow win and we'd edge out all these victories and then all of a sudden we're in the playoffs we play the Steelers. He throws one good slant route to Demarius Thomas and they're crowding the box with everybody because we were just running the ball the whole game. And Demarius Thomas breaks off, scores a touchdown. I'm at Penn State. Everyone I'm watching with their Steelers fans, I'm freaking out. I had a Tim Tebow fat head on the wall. So I was a huge fan. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so happy we got Peyton Manning. People forget about that. It was like Tebow was our option, and then it was like, Hey, instead, why don't you get a Hall of Famer and an have upgrade. him set records? And win a Super yeah. Bowl. So it's ever I'd been say. a
0: bigger <laughs> upgrade from passer <laughs> talent alone from Tim Tebow to then the following year
2: Peyton Manning? It's pretty incredible, right? Uh yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> on the list of candidates, maybe Jameis Winston and Tom Brady, but uh, no, even no, that, that Jameis threw is closer for five
0: thousand yards. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know? yeah I was like to say even that is clo- way closer than Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning. <laughs> Jesus, Scotty, how, where, where do you land on Tim Tebow? I I I'm indifferent. I don't care if he's great, fine, if he's not, I don't think it matters. Um I think they can use him in a lot of ways. I I think it'll be interesting to watch whether they they line him up as a tight end and actually make him catch the ball or uh or they use him as, in sort of some of these decoy trick plays Urban Meyer used to run a lot of that shit at uh, at Ohio State. Um because he had the, the tools to do it he had guys playing wide receiver who could play quarterback and vice versa uh as we saw those Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL so um I whatever man good for him I guess I think it's a distraction honestly in the event that Urban Meyer and, and fails for whatever reason I think he's got the pieces in place not to but for whatever reason if he does it, Tim Tebow's a nice story I whatever who cares so you're in the indifferent camp Vito,
0: you kind of fall under the like Florida fan slash kind of Denver fan where it's like, you know, he actually did something for you. I, I I'll tell you what, man, like when he did the baseball thing, I was like, go do your thing King, you know, go do you brother, like knock yourself out. You want to go try to get, you know, capitalize off of your name and your, your history as a, as a great athlete to try to become a, an MLB player, whatever, man, go, go do your thing. This to me is where I switched from being indifferent to like genuinely just like, can you just go the fuck away, dude? Like, wow. And and it's not even like, you know, other, like (laughs) other guys are just, you know, the other guys are grinding and have earned this shot, which I do believe and other guys have earned a, a better chance than Tim Tebow has. But like, why the hell didn't you do this six years ago? Why didn't you do this seven years ago? is it only urban Meyer? Is, that the only, baseball, is that the, No, but even what, like everyone said coming out of college, go be something else. You're not a fucking quarterback in the NFL. You're not like he, he just isn't. And the was. one thing you will never be able to take away from Tim Tebow is that the guy is a winner, right? He knows how to win football games. I remember being in like middle school or high school and having this debate with people about Tim Tebow, because at the end of the day, even if he was a terrible quarterback, he still would find ways to put up a W and that does at the end of the day matter. But there's a kind of like, there's a line, right? Where it's like, yes, you might win games, but you're not going to win every game because you're limited in what you can do at the quarterback position. And if he had embraced the idea of being a tight end or being a fullback or or playing somewhere else, you know, coming out of college, this dude would have had a 10 year NFL career. No question. I, I don't doubt that for a second, but and I've heard this said, and in moments where it's like, I didn't play the game at the highest level, so I don't necessarily know what it takes to be an NFL tight end. Well, I work with an NFL tight end, or former NFL tight end. Ben Hartsock spent nine years in the NFL as a blocking tight end, played with Peyton Manning, played with the New York Jets and Mark Sanchez, played with Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. It was all over the place. And Hartsock was telling me about this, and it's like, this guy has no callus. This guy doesn't know how to block. If you look up his tape when he was the personal protector for the Eagles and for the Patriots that one year when he in the preseason, he got he was blown the fuck up, and that was like while he was playing professional football. Still, this guy needs to be like like. And the thing is, is everything I've ever heard about Tim Tebow behind the scenes and on camera is genuine. Like the dude is a genuine, real human being. Everything you see on the camera, as hokey and stuff as it seems, is real. So that's never been my gripe with Tim Tebow. My gripe is like, you're doing this now, after you failed at being this Major League Baseball player, and you only get this opportunity because of Urban Meyer. It's not because of your talent. Yes, he's a great athlete. He's 33 years old, guys. Yeah. Like, like, And, and at, the, at the end of the day, it's just... Consideration. It's just a An waste of breath. consideration. It's who, a waste of all of yeah, our. Yeah, is who?
2: Who is he taking a spot from
0: on the Jaguars? Well, at, at this exact moment, no one of note, right? But you know, there's a lot of guys who are fourth and fifth and sixth round draft picks who nobody knew who end up being excellent players. Hell, Gronk was a third round draft pick, right? So it's like you don't necessarily need pedigree to become a great player. And, and to me, I don't know how the Jaguars are planning on using him but I'm just, I'm, I'm over the Tim Tebow shit. All right. 2008 was a long time ago. All right. Do, do we want to go down the list of shit that was going on in 2008? Right. Obama was running for president, you know, the housing oh, crisis, the, huh? the Phillies won the world series, Kevin Garnett and, and Paul Pierce won the NBA finals. Kurt but, Warner played oh, yeah. in the super bowl. Like we can keep going down the list of when Tim Tebow was relevant And why are we talking about that? That's not relevant.
1: Relevant is when you beat him in 2012. Yeah. It's it's a couple years difference, but yeah, like, I mean, he was doing shit and and I, I get your point of where you're going. I think the point is that like, yes, he is without a doubt a distraction and it's his name and he's getting this because of who he knows. And, and it's, I don't know. It's hard for us to sit here and say, this is based off merit when we haven't been able, when we've seen all these guys put up pro days and do this stuff and he's done a little bit, but like, yeah, can he make it? I don't know. I'm, I would be shocked if we saw Tim Tebow on the field more than five plays this season. Well, so shocked. that's what
0: I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, is, is he on the roster week one?
1: I think he's on it, but I think the only reason, I think he's on practice squad and will come in and out based off of QB availability. I bet you he's a backup that can play like maybe one other position and he's going to suck at both of them.
0: You think they're going to have him as a quarterback?
1: I'm saying like, he,
0: you know, when no. sometimes
1: let's say your backup's injured and you don't have a third guy, He's like the
0: emergency quarterback. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's not a bad emergency quarterback. That's the only way I see him gaining a spot on a travel roster of 53,
2: in my opinion. Like Vito, when you say distraction, when you say distraction, are you talking about distraction on the field as like a decoy distraction or media distraction? Because the way I say distraction is if – uh, if the Jaguars don't live up to the to the hype that Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and all the associated pieces that come with that, uh, if they don't live up to that, then the narrative is going to be, oh, well, where's Tebow? Tim Tebow sitting on the bench this week? Is he on the left side of the bench? Did he sit next to the offensive lineman? Where, where's he at? Like, that's the kind of narrative shit that, and, you know, and, he, and he, that's just a shitty example. But you, you know what I mean? Like, he becomes the story, not what's happening on the field with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer and all that.
0: Which, and, 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 you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You brought that up, Scott, because I've heard an argument that this is almost like a Machiavellian kind of move where it's like, we're going to bring in Tim Tebow to alleviate the pressure from Trevor Lawrence. So that way the spotlight is on Tim Tebow and not Trevor Lawrence. And I, at first my reaction was like, Oh, okay. I I can kind of get on board with that a little bit. And then the more that I thought about it, the more I just went, like, Trevor Lawrence has played in three college football playoffs and two national championship <laughs> yeah. games. Are we sure? Yeah. Like, why are you drafting this guy number fine. one overall <laughs> if you don't think he can handle the pressure? Like, he shouldn't yeah. be your number one overall pick then. And, and on, on top of that, too, it just seems like – it just seems unnecessary, you know? It's like when, when Urban Meyer signed – the, the, uh, the strength coach from Iowa last year who had all of the baggage from being you know uh, being involved in the the racially uh, charged and, and racially insensitive matters at, at the University of Iowa. I, f- I forget the guy's names and good riddance to him. That shit doesn't mm. fly in the NFL. That shit doesn't fly in an NFL locker room. And I don't think bringing in Tim Tebow is going to fly in an NFL ro- locker room you know, even if t- 2012 is the last time he was really relevant. And and that is a fair point, you know, Vito, that was still nine years ago. Mm-hmm. That was still a long time ago. And would it be an awesome feel good story if he comes in and actually catches a touchdown or actually plays pretty well? Sure. And, and I'll look back and be like, okay, cool. Maybe I was a bit harsh, but the, the, the The fact of the matter is, is there is zero evidence to believe that Tim Tebow is going to be anything other than just an annoying blip on the sports media radar. That's all he is. And and the fact that we're still talking about this dude, 10 years after the fact, after the gimmicky bullshit that was his stint with the New York Mets organization. And again, all credit to him for leveraging his fame into something that he wants to do. Mm -hmm. But When you look at it past that, it's just like what are we doing here?
1: I think I think excuse me where I land on it too, is if you're Urban Meyer, why why are you doing this year one? You have a fresh start. Um, there is a lot that comes with him, like it or not, off the field. He's talked about and and he's in the media, and so his co workers are gonna talk about him. Like it's also just a media charged topic. Like, I can remember the reason why I that first take got so big with Skip Bayless and Stephen A it was like the Tebow discussion. I remember that took over for months and months. And that was how they both got pretty big was going back and forth of that, at least in my eyes. And some of my friends who started watching because of that. And I think you don't need as a Jaguars, new head coach, um, looking at your personnel. I, I think you really want to bring in a young team and have a lot of young people. And maybe he's doing this as like, Hey, he's a leader in the locker room. And maybe he's just on the practice squad and wants to work out and like, you know, all that. But right now it seems like he's on the team. And like, that's where it's a little different I, to your point. Let's see where he's at week one. And I think that will drastically change how we talk about this.
0: I hope so. I hope I, to be honest, I kind of hope he gets cut. I hope he gets cut before training camp even fucking <laughs> starts, dude. Like I just, I just don't want to deal with this. I'm just shocked. There's... He's not like
1: coaching at a high school at this point. I feel like that's what he's like leader of men go out there. Like, you
0: know, be that he's... guy. He's incredible on TV. He's amazing. He's amazing on TV. He's great on the SEC network. Go do. Go call games. Go be Tim Tebow. Go be Florida Tim Tebow. And, and the thing is, and I don't, you know, I don't know his family. I don't know. I, I don't pretend to know them. But I know enough people who have been around Tim Tebow, who've been around his family off microphone, off the field, and his dad and his his parents, his upbringing. Everything is about Timmy. It's all about Timmy. You know, the only people that call him Timmy are his parents, which like, Hey, you know, that's normal people, you know, it's a pet name or whatever from your parents, but they were like the obsessive parents that were so like, our son is like, almost like how Tiger Woods dad, like equated what Tiger would do in golf one day to Gandhi. Right. You know, like it's this insane parental obsessive love, which I don't have kids, so I can't say what that feels like. And I know that every parent out there loves their kid more than anything else in the fucking world, but it really just feels like this entire thing is just like, it's a whole like psychological thing with him. where it was like he was told his entire life, he could go out and do anything and be anything he wanted forever and ever and ever and ever. And the reality is it's just, that's not how the fucking world works. You were a, you were an okay NFL quarterback. You had a great shining moment. You're one of the greatest college players to have ever played college football. That should be enough. And to him, it's not. And the problem is, is for people who are like, well, that's not enough for me. They they have opportunities to go off and do other things. He had his chances and they've since passed him by. And this just seems so unnecessary to me and distracting from like, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. I'd so much rather be talking about Trevor Lawrence right now than fucking Tim Tebow.
1: Well, it's funny, though, because you're the one who's driving the conversation of your hate of Tim Tebow. So it's honestly funny <laughs> that like in the media, right? It's almost like people don't want this story to run and they're not wanting it to run runs itself. 100%. And what I'm saying that is because I think a lot of people feel the way you're feeling, especially with the coverage and it's not placed properly, right? It's not placed fairly on talent and on where like we should be discussing the next rising stars, but I will say on his defense. Good for him for not giving up. I, I honestly think it's refreshing to have somebody that doesn't believe that the world's going to beat them up and have this optimistic view all the time. Like, fuck yeah, good for him. I'm not that way. I wish I was. But like, I think that, that it's at least refreshing to see somebody go and try. And yes, he's failed and he's probably going to fail again. But fuck it, props on him for trying because nobody, including us, it sounds like thinks he's got a shot. So yeah. power to you for giving it at least a swing.
0: Again, and and I'm on board with that. Like I'm okay with like leverage, like we live in America, capitalism is king. If you have some sort of leverage, leverage it. And by the way, I know I'm being a hypocrite right now. Like I, the whole hand up. I am, I'm helping drive the narrative as to why I dislike Tim Tebow and the fact that we're talking passion about it. I can podcast.
1: tell you, you care.
0: I just want him to go have an awesome retirement and go live your <laughs> life to be Tim Tebow. Why you need to do this and still be in my fucking world. I feel like I'm back in like fucking high school. I feel, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm back in this time when people cared about Tim Tebow. And the thing is, is like, it almost feels like we're pretending to care about Tim Tebow. Like, that's the thing that drives me nuts. It's like, we're all pretending like this is something and it's not. This is nothing more than just a waste of our times, and I'm now wasted all of our times by by talking about it as as much as I have. Um, let's switch. Just, topics. Hey, that was a lot of T-boat talk. <laughs> let's switch topics now <laughs> to. Uh, the nfl schedule which was released which is the other thing i wanted to get to you with you guys uh Vito, you're a broncos fan scotty you are a san francisco fan i'm obviously an eagles fan give me one game on the schedule that you're lo- out of conference and it can be in conference i guess if you really wanted to but give me one game on your schedule you know, maybe it's the game that you think, Hey, this is when Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded to the Denver Broncos. And we're going to see him in a, in a Broncos uniform, or maybe it's, Hey, this is the game that I think Trey Lance is going to get his first start for the Niners. Uh, what games are you most looking forward to for your squads here?
1: For me, I think it's actually, um, it's early, it's week two and it's Broncos against Jags. And I think why it's so big, uh, two reasons. One, um, Personally, my two of my best friends growing up were Jags fans, and so I get a lot of gambles and bets on this stuff. But I think what what it really is on the football field is our defense has made a lot of improvements in this offseason, both in the secondary and uh, even on the line getting healthy. I think we're going to go after Trevor Lawrence. And on the flip side, I think it's really going to be Drew Locke's chance to say, like, yeah, we're in this quarterback battle and everyone's here to watch the other guy. And if he can step up and have a great game early, you know, a, a great first quarter of the year, the first four games, that's going to, that could change his career. He's at a very career defining moment. If everyone's healthy, um, if he doesn't perform this year, I don't think we keep running with them. So I, I think the start is huge. And I, 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 I kind of visualize that game as a game that could really vault forward or set back his, uh,
2: perception. Scotty. Yeah. For, for me, I, of course this division is probably one of the best in uh, in football uh, so you got to circle every conference game on the on the schedule including those dastardly uh, folks from those chickens from Seattle um, <clears throat> Speaking of birds though I think week two is a big game uh, niners Eagles September 18th week two that's a big game for me I'd circle that one I'm gonna go though uh, my pick, my pick for game of the year I'm gonna circle 49ers. Jaguars, when you'll see Trey Lance up against Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence.
1: Wow. Could you imagine both our games being against the Jags a year ago
0: as our
2: favorite? (laughs) I know, right?
0: (laughs) Maybe the Tebow shit's working. I don't know. (laughs) Um, No, but those are great. I mean, it's always exciting when the number one pick comes to town or or you're going to play the number one overall pick. Uh, I, I look at the Eagles' schedule and I see that five out of the last six games are against divisional opponents. The Eagles only play one divisional opponent through 11 weeks of the NFL
2: season. And uh, oh, I know that that whole division is going to be decided in the last five weeks. It it's really is.
0: It's, it's going to be wild. Um, as I said to you guys when we, when we were taking a break, like, I've, I'm there's a little bit of hope. You know, we I need the drop of, uh, you know, rebellions were built on hope from star wars man like i need i need uh <laughs> I need, such a good bite i need someone to just drop that in maybe i'll do that in post-production future jeff get on that um but outside of division i'm really looking forward to the game against the chargers on november 7th because at that point the eagles will be about eight or nine games into their season and i think we'll i think i'll have a good grasp, a like grasp on that as like to what is this team, you know, I can, I feel like at that will be the point depending on what happens in that chargers game against a good up and coming chargers team. Because there are some games in here that are just like, they have to play the bucks. They have to play the chiefs. You know, they have games that you just know the Eagles are going to lose. So I'm excited to see that by that point, if they could somehow pull out a winning record, uh, I, I think that could be a, a good kind of like, hey, let's, let's take the temperature of what I think this Eagles team is at, you know, nine games into the season and, and maybe get a better idea of what we have in, in Jalen Hurts. Uh, and, and then over last thing I'll ask you guys here, is there a specific matchup just NFL-wide that you're most excited for? Obviously the Tom Brady returning to New England is the one that took kind of the most headlines. Is, is that the number one for you guys? Is there something else that you're maybe looking forward to?
2: Uh, that's a clear number one for me of course uh if i'm picking one outside of that i'm gonna go week one sam darnold up against the new york jets Mm. uh and i'm gonna be honest with you i might take sam darnold in uh this is a bit of transparency we're all in the same fantasy league the three of us i might take sam darnold to play week one against the new york jets how about that as my quarterback
0: that's why you went oh and 13 last year (laughs) That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that is, but by the way, if you want to know why Scotty won 0 and 13, there's a, no, I actually, I, I don't disagree with that. I actually think Sam Darnold will probably go off in that game, yeah, but I, I just, it was too, too easy of a joke not to make a uh, veto. Yeah. Is the one,
2: yeah.
0: one for you that, uh, that stands out.
1: Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's that week four uh, Thursday night game. It, it's always nice to see a good matchup on a Thursday night. And it's going to be the Jaguars versus the Bengals. So we will have Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. And that is going to be a really fun game to have on a Thursday earlier in the season where, um, you know, we're just getting back into football. And all of a sudden we're going to have it on, you know, a great games on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Oh, I can't fucking wait. God damn it. Uh, We're getting
2: closer and closer. How how about Joe Burrow too on track for a week one to be back on the field like that's insane right
0: it's awesome man. (laughs) it's amazing how medicine has has progressed to this point I'm just happy for Joe Burrow like I love Joe Burrow and I love Trevor Lawrence and I think that I'm with you Vito like that's of of the games that I kind of have circled that's right up there uh the one other one I will add here is week seven we have the Lions and the Rams our QB swap, Matthew Stafford going and playing the Detroit Lions ah. and Jared Goff playing the, the, uh, the LA Rams. I think that one could be – that one will have a lot of drama behind it. I'm not sure when that's slated as far as time-wise, but – uh, I could definitely see that being like a flex to Sunday night football kind of thing, depending on
2: how no, terrible. It's going to be a one o'clock.
0: I mean, hey, if Dan Campbell somehow <laughs> lights a fire under them boys, you, you never, you never know. Uh, all right, quick break, come back. And then we're going to do for the sports gumbo. We're going to add the spices, you know, because when you add spices to, to like any sort of soup or gumbo, you kind of just add them all at one time. We're going to go quick hitters here as we wrap up uh, this Thursday evening and then Friday morning edition here of the read options all right. And we're back last segment here of our sports gumbo read option. Uh, and this is the, like I said before, this is going to be our little flavors and spices, man. Just sprinkle a little paprika, throw a little okra on that bad boy. Give you a little dash of oregano, you know, not the, not the kind that you have in college that you tell the police officers oregano. I'm talking about that real, that real oregano stuff. Uh, we're going to sprinkle, uh, we're going to touch on a few things here as Italian we wrap up. Italian stuff, the huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're going to hit up on the pod here to finish up the pod today. We're going to go quickly. PGA championship teed off today. Uh, It's one of the majors. It's the first time that the PGA championship is now moved up into the spring. Uh, I love this for golf. So we don't have to wait all the way into the middle of summer. I think giving a, a, a stretch where you have the masters and you wait like a month and a half and you get the PGA and then you wait a little bit and you get the U S open and the British open. I think this schedule plays so much better for golf. And I think it's phenomenal. Uh, The first round wrapped up today, Corey Connors in first with a minus five. Uh, And then there's a whole bunch of people kind of hang behind him at that minus three minus two part uh, I think we have like 16 guys there from who are, are minus two and minus three. So it, it feels pretty wide open. It's at Kiwa Island, the ocean course at Kiwa Island. Uh, a beautiful, I mean, talk about scenic boys. I mean, this is like one of the most beautiful golf courses out there. Uh, Scotty, I know you're in a pool. I'm sure you have a little bit sprinkled on the sides. Who do you like here to, to kind of finish out the week after, after one day of action? And, and I guess, who are you pulling for? I mean, obviously Kepka's there. Everyone loves, loves some Brooks Kepka. Uh, is there anyone that's kind of grabbing your eye here or anyone you have money on?
2: I thought that, that this course would favor good ball strikers who are also bangers. Uh guys, I'm talking like JT, um, not Morikawa. was a great iron player. I don't think this course favors him, although he's two under. Um Brooks Kepka, there's another one. Uh we just lost Scotty in his internet connection
0: again. Uh t- I'm gonna just continue his thought here because I think he's he, all my bets there. You we we lost you there for a second there, Scotty. Um but I agree, oh. I do I do agree with you. I I think uh, with this course, guys who can hit it a long way off the tee, whether it's with their you know with their woods, with their drivers, uh, and then good ball strikers, I think you basically are describing a guy like Kepka, you know, who's right up yeah, there. Corey, Corey the, Connors, yeah. who's in that's... first place, is is right up there. Victor Hoblin. Um, yeah, you know, and, and length isn't imperative here. You know, it's it's getting close to that eight thousand yard marks for the course, which is pretty insane. Um, but the the really big hitters, your you know your Deschambes uh rory's you know i i I tended to kind of stay away from them uh i put a little on like ricky fowler paul casey guys who don't crush the ball off the tee but again that really solid iron play and the other thing with this course too is how you can recover right because if you don't hit the green at this course if you're not sticking it on the green you're in some trouble you got to be able to have a really strong scramble short game in order to compete and that's why i like some guys like patrick reed uh jordan speed but Phil, Jeez. Phil Mickelson coming in at two under on uh, yeah. uh, the first day as, as he was gifted. Sort of this is of best in
2: golf. I mean, Jesus,
0: he was um, gifted this to get into the tournament. Um, yeah. Vito, anything as a non huge golf fan, that's, that's grabbing your attention here for a uh, Kiwa Island, the PGA championship.
1: Yeah, actually I'm, I'm going to be on <clears throat> a bachelor party this weekend. I uh, can't wait. And I think this is going to be something great to have in the background. Cause it's such a beautiful course, like the layout right by the ocean, uh, the greenery, it, it's going to be nice to look at. So I think if anyone's looking as a more casual fan, like I am something to put on over the weekend, having the background as you're do, running some errands, cleaning up, doing whatever, uh, it's always great to have golf on. And this looks like a beautiful course to be watching.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's right up there. It should be a really great weekend of action. I mean, if you, you have to go down about like 60 players to see guys to get past like one over. Right. So anyone who's like in the top 60 right now yeah. is still in contention. And, and, and Corey Connors, yeah. yeah, he came out with a minus five. You know, no one shot a minus four. And then it goes right down to that minus three. So one or two good rounds here. Guys get around under their belt, a bad round from some guys at the top. I think there's there's up to 50 guys who are still in contention here, which is pretty remarkable when you consider, you know, we're talking yeah. about a major championship I'll, and and the field still. I'll be interested
2: to see. I'll be interested to see what the wins like tomorrow. Cause honestly, that is a huge, it plays a huge role in it. Um, I think if it's, if it's dead speed can make a move a little bit, but I think that cut line is going to be pretty high in terms of scoring. It's um, going
0: to, it's going to be tight, man. It really is. Yeah.
2: I'm excited for it. I'm I mean, excited for gonna it. It's going to be a lot of good players left out. Then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah,
2: uh, this, this is nuts. It's a good tournament.
0: Next sport <laughs> I want to hop into now. Uh, I want to talk a little bit of MLB baseball, um, mainly because there's two things. Number one, no one knows what the hell is going on in baseball right now, right? Teams that were supposed to be terrible. Oh, I do. <laughs> teams that are supposed to be terrible are good. Teams that were supposed to be good are terrible. The Dodgers sign Albert Pujols. Like, like, there's so much insanity going on now, in don't the world of MLB. And then the other thing is that every other night, there's a freaking no-hitter that gets thrown. Like, Scotty, what am I missing here, man? What is, what is happening in the MLB this season?
2: So, I think there are a couple anomalies in terms of teams that are better that that we didn't peg as as good teams. The Red Sox are one they're young and and developing uh, but they've they're sitting behind Devers and, and jD martinez um, the White sox, of course, we knew were up and coming. Of course, we all picked the twins, uh, I think to win that division. Twins are, are Cleveland um, and the twins are in last place so uh, and I then in the, in the in the A l west yeah. But it's just a sneaky pick, and they started off. They didn't start off great. Um, they started off playing a mm-hmm. sub 500 ball, uh, in, in early April and mid April, and uh, and they picked it up. Um, how about my Giants? I mean, I, <laughs> anybody watching the NL West here? It's uh, crazy. I mean, I mean, the, yeah, how, the, how about the Dodgers?
0: The Dodgers are two and a half games back in the NL East, which I, I would not have predicted. It's still a long yeah. season.
2: Like- and of course it is. This turned into a competitive division, though, with the Giants playing the way they are. They're winning the games that they should. This weekend's going to be a huge tell. I mean, we've had two series against the Padres already. All, Both of them have been competitive. Uh, and the Dodgers have had some injury troubles. They've bellinger has been out most of the year. Uh, they just lost Corey Seager for a, a good amount of time. Uh, he got hit on the hand a couple of days ago. He's out and, for, I think, uh, he four weeks. Be, yeah, he's, he At should be four out 4-6. Yeah, so this division's going to be competitive. I don't see, well, I don't want to jinx it. Never mind. The division's going to be competitive, um, and so that's that's that for for the anomalies. I think the Red Sox are ahead of schedule. I think the Royals, being even two, uh, two games under ahead of schedule, um, the Astros uh, are always going to be the Astros. They got trash cans in the dugout still. Probably the A's are, are always good. The Angels are disappointing and they lost Mike Trout. Uh, well, so the, that's what I wanted to
0: say is like, what, what is like, how is it possible? And yeah, I know Trout is a, is a little banged up right now, but how is it possible? He's
2: out six to eight weeks, man.
0: <laughs> okay. He's a little, he's a little more than just a little banged up. Um, but even still, I mean, that was what a week and a half ago. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, how is it possible that a team with arguably the two best players in baseball, with Shohei Otani, who is just pumping 100 miles an hour and also is leading the league in home runs, I'm playing everywhere, and Mike Trout, how are they
2: six games <laughs> below I, I, I do not know. That to me is a. a- drastic failure of management and i don't understand how or why and they have a, they're supposed they to have a good manager
0: with joe with joe madden i don't know oh I mean, no i'm Vito, not, i'm
2: talking about front office management i'm not well, just
0: which is also which is also fair which is also fair Vito, you're not a huge baseball guy um
1: but but i do love the angels that's i used to go to games all the damn time growing up right there and I, mike trout being out like talk about how i wasn't going to watch before Without Mike Trout, he's like my ticket to watching baseball. Not
0: even Shohei, though, dude. I
1: love it. No, Lo, love it. He's actually a very exciting player and one of the guys, too, that you look to watch. But I, I just think it's that connection with a player over so long when it was like, I was watching when you were starting off. Yeah. You're keeping me in. But I do think what's great about the Angels, which is just so fun out of out of a lot of different teams, is that it this seems to come and go. It's like every time, not every time, but I remember like even just The first time we got pool hosts and trout and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden some injuries happen. The team gets dislodged. They lose a streak of games. And then all of a sudden they whip it back together and win like a streak. And it's just so funny how baseball goes like these ebbs and flows of seasons. But for some reason, I feel like uh, maybe it's just because it was a team I was following. The angels have a lot more dramatic ones. And I feel like we're about to see them swoop one way and completely the other. And they have the biggest range, I guess, out of a lot of teams.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good point. I mean, look, I, I will say I'm gonna pat myself on the shoulder a little bit because like we were two weeks into the season and I did a whole segment on the last sports gumbo I did about Shohei Otani and about like how this guy should be the face of baseball. He's the, he is the best player. He's unlike anything we've seen literally since Babe Ruth. Uh, and now here we are like a month and a half later, and people are starting to catch on. So just a little little self pat on on the bat there, a little self love for me because I think uh, that was that was a great pick. But look. Baseball is all over the place. And the other thing that is just crazy to me, and I guess it's a good thing to the average fan, but to people who really love baseball, the fact that we're just having no hitter after no hitter. I mean, we've had, what, six no
2: hitters already? Six this year and back-to-back nights that we've had one. And they've only
0: been against three teams.
2: Three teams have been no hit twice this year. The the Mariners and the Rangers have both been no hit twice, yeah. Uh, There's a third
0: team, too. There's only been three teams and six no-hitters this year, and and I, I don't have the stat in front of me, so I, I, I can't confirm the third team. Um, but, yeah, there are three teams who have been no-hit twice already, and, and we are in yeah, – it's May 20th at, at the time of this recording, which is just – it's, it's crazy. crazy to me. And, and it speaks to kind of the direction that baseball has gone, which is this so, stri- home run or strikeout. And so, I, yeah. The, the, I, I mean, I – the movement, the velocity. I mean, the average pitcher is throwing 97 now. You know, that would have been insane well, to think about. Like I remember watching teams in like 2008 and you'd be like, you might have one guy in your bullpen who could touch 97, 98.
2: It's, it's less about the velocity and more about the the movement. And and here's, here's where I delineate, right? It's going two ways on the spectrum. And the pitchers are getting better and the hitters are trying – all, this all-or-nothing strategy, right? Uh, so the 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 pitchers are throwing with velocity, but it's it's a hundred miles an hour with sink and movement. That it's it's not feasible. Velocity to and
0: it's both of them. It's not just the fact 100%. that they're throwing harder. It's the fact that guys can throw a two-seamer that's going ninety-seven and can come in at you know come exactly in their hands. So, like it's
2: yeah, and. Uh, in terms of the, the, the no-hitters, too, I, I think it's a weird conversation. because I'll give you a couple of stats, though, first, uh, because they touch on a little bit of what we're talking about here on the offensive side of the ball. The, so it, this was some of the worst, uh, through one month of, of Major League Baseball, some of the worst offensive numbers in, in, in history. League-wide, it was, uh, the batting average was 232. Uh, which, a record low 7.63 hits per game teams are averaging one. Uh, yeah. Teams are averaging just about one strikeout per inning for the first time ever. Uh, and these, these numbers are lower than they were in in 1968 when they lowered the mound, um, Mm -hmm. and, and made that change after, for those of you that don't know, lowering the mound gives less of an advantage to the pitcher. The higher the mound is, the more momentum they get to the plate. Um, but, but yeah, it, there's there's all this this confluence of things this this uh this three 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 solution system it is not working for the hitters um whether it's home run strikeout or walk uh and then the pitchers are getting better yeah. bigger movement faster velocity uh, so it's it's this they're they're moving apart from each other in a way that that kind of delineates itself and i think it's that's the part that's hurting the game, but I think honestly stuff like this like get better at hitting. You put you put yourself in a shift, learn to hit the other way. So,
0: well, maybe so we'll, I think there's, we'll there's a
2: old school hitting in baseball, I don't know.
0: There's some things that can be done in in baseball and management and Theo Epstein who if you don't know who he is, he was the GM of the Boston Red Sox who won in 2004 and 2007. Uh, and broke the, the curse of the Bambino. And he was also the GM of the Chicago Cubs when they broke the curse back in 2016. He was on the Bill Simmons podcast. I think it was last week. It uh, might have been the week before. Uh, but he works for Major League Baseball now. He, he's no longer a GM of a team. And one of the things he's, they were kind of talking about was what you were just touching on there specifically, Scott, which is potentially moving the mound back. You know, actually like physically moving it back yeah, about, a a, about, about a foot, half a foot uh, and, and helping batters with the reaction time, uh, lowering the mound a little bit. This isn't the first time or wouldn't be the first time that the MLB has had to lower the mound for similar instances like this. So there is precedent involved. Uh, but the one really interesting thing I think they should do, and, and I really do believe this, is I think they should eliminate the shift. I think it should be illegal to have a player in the outfield. Uh, to have an infield player to be in the outfield, um, and, and and that to me, you know, yes, we can say like, "I'll just be a better hitter and just take the ball opposite field," right? But that is so much easier said than done, and, and I think that is a really, a really, really tough uh, a thing to just ask of guys who who are now expected that if you even if you are going to hit opposite field, it should be opposite field power. You know, like the Bryce Harpers and Shohei but, Otani's, like the best guys who, who can hit opposite field. They hit opposite field for power more so than than they do in the old school But that's,
2: that's what I'm saying is maybe you change your hitting model to go back to that contact, move guys over. And, yeah, but if and, you're the MLB, you i don't... Seen- but if you're the
0: MLB, you don't want that, Scott.
2: You don't want guys uh, hitting up. No, I, I agree. Centers. You want guys hitting yeah.
0: home runs and you want guys I to be agree. able to load up and try to pull the ball to be able to yank it 400
2: yard or 400 feet down the right field line. I absolutely agree. I'm just saying, if you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, where you want more offense and then have this confluence of great pitching and then trying to hit a home run uh, every time you're at bat and then leading the league in. The, the league has the highest number of strikeouts it's ever had. And then, uh, you know, the shift thing, uh, all of it doesn't make sense in and of it. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. So somebody at some point has to make a switch. And I think it's with the way that we, that MLB teams run their offense.
0: I Yeah. I mean, to, to an extent, but I, I, I think go ahead, Vito.
1: I was going to say, I disagree. And I, I think I, again, I don't know. Um, the history of baseball, but I, I do know the history of football. And this happens every couple of decades where things happen, especially when you look back in the seventies and when the Steelers and and just the defensive players were able to press the whole way down the field, just throw guys to the ground. The NFL realized like, this is yes, the way the football games are supposed to be played. Right. At that moment, everyone knew that that was the only football they had ever played, but they realized like, you know, we're going to only let you do that within five yards and everyone made it a big deal and all this stuff. And, and while I'm comparing it and the press rule and and turn to pass interference is that you can you can make it so defenses have to line up in certain ways or, or do this in baseball and I, I i'm kind of on jeff's side with with this and in the thought of i would rather see them limit what teams can do defensively to help offenses improve rather than put it back on offenses because you want the shining star of your sport to be the but, offense that's yeah, but just the way can't you punish want your both sport. sides
2: of the ball you can't punish both sides of the ball
1: that's what happens all the time. That's what, like,
2: yeah, I, and when, I when think, you
1: punish one, you reward the other. Like I, I guess is what I look at it.
0: Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, Scott. Like I think I think the main objective for it should be we need to, and this is something that Theo Epstein said in that interview is that we have the least amount, or or even different than that is the way he phrased it was if you bring your niece or your daughter or your son to a baseball game right now, on average, it will take longer for them to see a ball put into play than ever before in the history of baseball. And that is a problem, right? Because I think the average is like two minutes of of game time before they actually get a chance to see a ball be put in play. So Mm -hmm. changing the shift will enable guys to be like, Hey, I can pull the ball and I might roll it over a little bit, but there's still a chance that it gets in between the second baseman and first baseman. You know what I mean? So it's less concerned where it's like, Hey, like, I think the shift is too advantageous to the defense. And I, and I look at it as like the hand checking in the NBA, you know, when they eliminated hand checking, yes, there were the old curmudgeonly, you know, people who love the NBA and love the physicality. So we can't do that completely changing the game, but inarguably it's made the sport more popular. And from the second they did it to, to now, because in our culture, for better or for worse, offense is what sells in American pro sports scoring activity, action sells, And when you have four guys or three guys lined up and one of them's in shallow, you know, right field for a, a dead pole lefty, that is problematic because that guy only got to the MLB in the first place by being a dead pole lefty to begin with. And yes, we can ask the offense to be like, all right, completely change your entire swing, or we can make a simple rule change and we can still kind of achieve the ultimate like increase in baseball, I guess is where I would, I would finish on. it.
2: No, that works for me. I, I look, I, 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 agree that offense is what, what drives all of that. So uh, the revenues, everything, uh, the action in the game, the, the enhancement of the game. Um, but it, it, as I keep saying, you can't, you, you can't have your cake and you eat it too. You can't want great pitching and then say, why the hell don't we have great offense? And then when we get great offense, say, why are the pitchers so terrible?
0: Well, I'm not saying I want great pitching. I'd rather, I'd rather see eight exactly. to seven games on a regular basis than see a, a pitcher's duel. You know, And, and I, I can appreciate a pitcher's duel. I love seeing a guy go out and throw a no-hitter. And if anything, Scott, tying it back to the no-hitter conversation, having a guy throw no-hitter in an era where teams are scoring five to six runs on average makes the no-hitter mean something again. It makes it seem that much more special. Because yeah. it will be that much harder. And I think right now what we're seeing is that being an elite level pitcher takes less because of you know, the competition over the last thirty years of these guys yep. growing up who can now pump gas like it's nobody's fucking business.
1: And you that know? goes like last year one, in New one Jersey. more one more sport to compare it to is hockey when they made the pads smaller, right? Yeah. Like just just having all of these things to make the it, it higher scoring games. And that did a lot for the playoffs and, yeah. and kind of where we're going now.
0: And that's a perfect transition veto. Cause I want to hit on two things quickly and then we're going to get out of here. Cause we're running a little long uh, NHL playoffs are going on right now. And look, I like to talk as if, you know, I, I follow a lot of sports cause I do. And I do know a lot about a lot of different sports. Unfortunately, your brain only has so much you can take. And as much as I do thoroughly in, enjoy the sport of hockey and I really do love it. I have not been able to follow it as, as hardcore as any other year. And I think both of you guys are kind of in the same boat on that, but I will ask you one simple question here about the NHL playoffs. Is there anything better in American pro sports than playoff hockey? No, because I, I think there's a strong case to be made that there is just not. And, And Scott, you, you, in our text thread, you phrased it really, really well. Would you rather be, like, how much, like, because if you're a fan, it is agonizing, but it's the passion. And it, if you actually get to the, the Holy Grail, you know, the Stanley Cup, like, it means that much more. But, like, I think oh, that no. is why it is such a uniquely special sporting event is is just the NHL playoffs as a whole.
2: So, yeah, I the way I phrased it was, and this doesn't apply just to hockey, this is any sport, is it more – exciting to watch your team in the playoffs or more torturous to watch your team in the playoffs and i think that Both. it applies the most to hockey of, of above all other professional sports in the united states it really does mm-hmm. uh be, because i remember that growing up I, I i'm a sharks fan so the sharks would be in the playoffs every year when i was between the ages yeah, of like lose 12 every year and 24 yeah we lose in the first second third round we got to the Stanley Cup final one year and we lost to the stupid penguins in 2016 that was a that was a terrible year no one likes the penguins penguins are the worst except jakey um but um
0: no but Fuck. yeah
2: i <laughs> um man i don't think that that statement applies more than in a hockey a hockey match know you're uh you're uh avalanche are doing pretty well though yeah Listen. yeah and yeah. and I also think that just, I want to touch on this
1: because I think this is something that's really important in sports is that when you have a sport that has low scoring like this, right? It, it, every goal means so much and they can every happen play. At so many every play times. Means so much. Well, that's the point is that it can happen at any point. Any point can be an absolute game changing play where yeah. in football, you're less likely to have an eighty-yard touchdown, but you know, when you're getting to the red zone, something's going to happen in hockey when you have these swings and you have eight seeds always beating one seeds and shit it's wild this is like it's like the march Madness. it's the professional version of march madness right like it's the professional sports version of like it's a series we're still gonna have like this go on but for some reason that doesn't mean shit they might as well be one playing like one one game series because it always swings back and forth it's it's wild because in baseball you have these series and usually the better team wins or something something gets hot in hockey that can happen with gold least i can have with shooters it's it's so fun it's such a fun sport um yeah avalanche won six to three yesterday which is dope and uh 2-0 in the series yeah yeah. and uh and yeah i I think when you have those low scoring uh, events again it it makes it so much more fun
0: and agonizing to your point and i I agree completely scott I to me my answer to your question is yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is it is oh, both yeah. the most exhilarating and the most torturous now i will say this well, watching your team play in a super bowl is is about as much of that as i ever admitted. and again yes. if your team wins then like you can you can hold on to that like the eagles beating the patriots was and still is one of the greatest moments of my entire yeah. life and, and that will stay with me thanks forever. jeff
2: rub it in i'm um, one and two in super bowls in my life you lifetime.
0: had montana you. you got one I didn't have one at that point. Okay. Like, and and if the Eagles go off and win another Super Bowl, as special as it will be, it will never be the first one. Like nothing will ever be as good as that first one. Um, Thanks thanks for pointing out my age, by the way. Yeah. You know, you're the old man on the pod. Um, But what, one of the things I really love about hockey and, and, and particular playoff hockey is just for me as, as a Flyers fan, as a Philly sports fan, like it's the one sport I didn't really play growing up. You know, I messed around and played roller hockey and, and, And and dicked around a little bit and had a lot of fun with it. But, you know, as much as I I, I love and love, love the sport, I just don't know as much about it. I don't know about as much of the X's and O's. And so I really feel like when I watch hockey, I'm watching it from a purely like fan based perspective. I'm watching it from the perspective of someone who doesn't necessarily have like, like if I watch football, even if I want to play armchair quarterback, which is not a smart idea, but we all do it when we're watching games, I at least have some sort of credibility in that I obsess over the game, I coached football, I've been around the game for a long time. Same thing with baseball, you know, same thing with basketball, like I have a, a depth of knowledge behind it. I don't have that with hockey. So when I watch hockey, I'm watching it from a purely just appreciation for what the, I don't even know what the hell's going on half the time, but I just love the sport. I I genuinely do. I get basic concepts, but you know, it's really, it's a great sport to just sit back and be a pure spectator for it. And even without my team, without a dog in the fight, man, like I'm still loving the NHL playoffs. I have it on one of the TVs every time I'm watching.
2: Watch a game with your sister. I'll tell you what, Amy G is, uh, is a phenomenal hockey fan.
0: Amy G Brilliant. does. Amy G does love her Flyers, no question about it. And she learned that from Vicky G, who uh, married my my father, Tommy G, <laughs> because of the love of hockey. It's all tied together through the Flyers. And ironically, despite the beard and the hair, I did not become a hockey player. Uh, not without a lack of trying. You know, they just didn't want to get up at four a.m. to you know take me to hockey practice. Uh, Big skater, thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> last thing here, and then we're gonna wrap up the pod. I know we said we're gonna be quick here, and we did not. I am going to take a step back here because when we talk about things like sports, I don't know. The premier league is, is at the top of that list. So I'm going to hand this off to Scotty and Vito here and you guys tell, teach me. All right. You know, like it's the Michael Scott scene, like explain it to me. Like I'm like, I'm seven,
2: you know,
0: and then explain it again. Like I'm five.
1: (laughs) And, And I think this is the perfect way to start, especially people who don't, know about the premier league, but what's great about it. And what's so unique about it from all American sports is there's no playoffs. You have 38 games, wherever the standings fall at the end, that's where they fall. The first place is the champion and it works its way down. But what happens is the first well, four teams in the premier league go to the champions league the next year where they, all, they still play in the premier league, but the top four teams play in an additional league, the champions league with the best around the world. And that's where you see these crossover games between, you know, um, that's where you see Juventus, who uh, with Ronaldo playing Chelsea and the. It's all these mixes of different teams from different and places. That's where you the want to be
2: as a Champions League.
1: Yes, yeah. so the Premier League has four teams there, potentially five if Chelsea ends up in fifth. But we'll get there. Then there's two spots for for Euro right now, five and six. So the European League is um, the best. The, the next tier down of the best teams in Europe that weren't in Champions. So. What's really great is a lot of other leagues that aren't as good, their, their victors go to um, Euros. I mean, a lot of them go to champions, but, but some of the best players, their other lower tiered, like, um, you know, leagues will, will have people that go into Europeans. So here's what's going on right now. We're in week 30 or game week 38. This is the final, like, actual week of soccer. And this is what makes it amazing is that it comes down to one week and every single game is played at the exact same time. It'll be 11 a.m. on Sunday. Every single team will play. I love Everything that too, will be decided at one point. And this weekend, yeah. what's happening with my team, West Ham, is we're in sixth place. And right behind us are Tottenham, those fuckers. They're from London, too. We don't like them. Fuck you, James. Uh, he's a huge fan. So um, <laughs> He's a big Spurs fan. What, what happens here is we're up by three points. You get three points for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. If West Ham ties we're playing the 14th team place team Southampton if we just tie we get to go to euros if we win we go to euros if we lose Tottenham has to beat Leicester City and what I love about like the thing about Leicester is that
2: Leicester, they, Leicester.
1: I, I know but see that's the thing you that's you gotta mix up Americans you gotta just do this you gotta
2: Americanize
1: it no, yeah. that's right Leicester City <laughs> I and mean, then you have them going around saying it it's the best so no, but the thing about like Leicester's team in general—they won the Premier League a few years ago. They're very strong. They're in fifth right now. So the point is, if they beat Tottenham, which will probably, hopefully, happen, then West Ham, no matter what, stays in sixth. And why this is all crazy is it all happens at the same time at 11 a.m. So if you have nothing to do or golf's just getting going, as tee times are later on, check this out. It's going to be awesome. And if, even if you don't watch anything, you can flip between games, and you will see some madness. And talk about a sport with low scoring, just like hockey, things can change just tr- like in one second, on a one dime. run down yeah. the field. And that can be the difference between your team going to a different league
2: next year or not. I'll tell you what, Vito, it's it's exciting for me to watch you this excited about West Ham because they're usually middle of the pack. They're yeah. EPL, which is, which is saying something that's a quality team, but it's not going to get you where you need to go in terms of, uh, in terms of, European League exposure, uh, whether it's through uh, the Euro League or, or or Champions League at the higher level. I'll, I'll tell you what though. Here's a scenario that I'll, I'll play out for you. If you guys end up in Euro League, and uh, prevailing odds are that you might, although I'm rooting for you, I really am to get to to Champions. But if you end up in Euro League, you're going to be playing my team, my Italian team, AS Roma. Uh, because we shit the bed every year.
1: Yeah, you guys do, and and what's funny is that's actually my brother in law. He's from Rome. His name's Luigi, of course, and he uh, he's a Roma fan as well. So it's actually pretty fun. I'll show you kind out of there, the, but the, but anyway, as we as like these teams from again around different countries who are not used to playing each other play. That's what brings it fun, and and I would love to imagine being in in Europe and like making these travel trips. So imagine if if like you know um, the NFL and other leagues existed, like almost divisions played each other. Uh, then, like the second place teams from every division would go play a tournament the next year. Like that's kind of analog- how it goes. the
0: perfect analogy for European soccer. And and look, I I, I understand. I love the format of it. I was fortunate. One of my roommates was British for about a year and a half, and he taught me. He was also a soccer coach, so like he understands soccer. Like he played in, uh, I think division or yeah, I think it's like division two, division three, one of the lower tier divisions below the Champions League, um, over in, in the UK. And one of the things, you know, he and I had a lot of great discussions about it, but essentially European soccer is college football. It, they, 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 mirror each other in such similar ways. You have these small towns, you have some programs that are bigger, more developed, have all these mm-hmm. money in it. Right. And they come from all different parts of the country. Just like when you put them together for the champions league, you know, and th- this was the whole part of the super league and stuff that was kind of going on around there earlier and why there was such a big hubbub, you know, a hubbub about the whole thing. But When you have, you know, the SEC playing USC or Oregon in the college football playoff, you know, you're talking about schools that are from different conferences, different parts of the world recruiting from different places, and all mean something different to a small college town, and it it holds a place, a special place in people's hearts. It's a tradition based thing. Like it's the only suitable analogy for American sports fans to really understand and college football and European soccer have a lot of parallels. It's a podcast I've been waiting to do because I've done a ton of like hypothesizing about this. And this is a good kind of place to start it there.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think the one, important thing is for like a team like west ham we have our captain mark noble who's been in our system because it's youth system too so he's been with west ham since he was like 10 years old he played yeah. imagine ayso playing for like your team and like you grow in and other captain and have like played there for 20 years it's yeah. crazy it's like if so. trevor
0: lawrence committed to clemson when he was like an eighth grader and he was yeah. playing you know, pop warner yeah but yeah, yeah. But, he, but he like played in a clemson system that entire time yeah you know, like yeah. clemson own high school team and their own like you know I mean? that's how deep the, the roots kind of go for it and the whole says that all of that stuff is fascinating and i love the blend of those two those two kind of cultures there um boys this was a hell of a pod uh we definitely went long but you know what i think we're still under the two hour mark which is basically all i try to shoot for so thank you both for uh for hopping on with me again on, on a lengthier edition of sports gumbo but look we had everything everything from lebron to tim tebow to soccer to to sydney cross to everything man all of a sudden we're back in 2010 again it's unbelievable uh but thank you guys for coming on as always i I always appreciate y'all's time this is a ton of fun
2: thanks for having us i love talking ball it's always a good time
0: you guys aren't you guys aren't guests on the read option you're my co-host you're my boys you're 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 my boy blues uh (laughs) (laughs) and with that we're gonna wrap up the pod uh shout us out on twitter at ReadoptionPod pod at jeff underscore gimple scotty what's your twitter handle again
2: s underscore miller five
0: s underscore miller five you're probably not the only scott miller on twitter there's at least one probably not plays for the tampa probably Bay not. Bucks. but you know what i'll take yeah. this scotty miller over any scotty miller out there in the world so take that to the i mic. wouldn't Vito, you're the only person I know named Vito. So I'm just going to say that you're a one of one and I love you both. Appreciate you coming on. We'll be back next week with another edition. We're going to start breaking down some of our division previews for the NFL. We're going to get some more college football action going on. And of course we're going to talk NBA playoffs as you know, the Larry O'Brien's getting closer and closer to finding a new home. Hopefully it doesn't go back to those wretched LA Lakers. So for the boys, I
2: (laughs) come back to the Warriors.
0: It is not. Uh, For the boys, I am Jeff.
2: Thank you so much for joining. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, everybody. West Ham plus 1,800 to finish top four. Do it.